Hey guys, welcome to the Marketplace Podcast. I am your host, Priest Willis, and this is episode 88 with our guest today, Ryan Grant. Ryan graduated from college and pursued his career in accounting and quickly found himself wanting more in life. In 2013, Ryan quit his full-time job that was paying over 50K, by the way, per year to pursue making a full-time income selling online. His business now does over seven figures in sales per year, and he sits down with the marketplace to discuss just how he did it. So for some of you guys thinking you need tons of money to get in what's known as retail arbitrage or get into Amazon fulfillment, this is the podcast for you to start with low money and to find out how to secure a side hustle that sticks. So without further ado, here is my man, Ryan Grant. Hey, Ryan, welcome to the show. Hey, Bruce. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to have you on. You are actually the first person that we've had on that is going to talk specifically to Amazon Fulfillment and Amazon FBA specifically. But before we get into that conversation and how you've built your business, online settlement experiment, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? I grew up in a small town in southeast Minnesota, grew up on a hobby farm with my parents and then I've got three siblings and we had some animals that we raised for 4-H and that got me involved in some early entrepreneurial experiences. Mm. We would grow pumpkins, sell those in the fall. We did similar things with strawberries. We would grow, plant those in the spring and then sell those throughout the summer. Did you guys go to like farmer's markets and all that kind of stuff in the area? We mainly sold them from the end of our driveway. We lived on a fairly, a reasonably trafficked road for Southeast Minnesota. And we just put signs out that we painted with spray paint that basically said pumpkins and then had our price on there. That's how we sold most of them. That was one of my earlier entrepreneurial experiences there. After that, I went to college at Winona State University. That's also in Southeast Minnesota. And I studied accounting and business administration there. And while I was going to college, that's kind of where I first got my feet wet with selling online. I had sold my textbooks after my first semester there. And then that kind of led into a variety of things in the future. And then after college, I took a job as an accountant at an accounting firm in downtown Minneapolis and worked as an assurance associate, which is basically working on audits of corporate tax returns. We worked with mid-sized to large businesses, mainly in like the manufacturing sector. And we would do audits of their financial statements. And I worked in that job for about a year and a half. And then pretty early on in that job, I realized I wasn't on the path I wanted to be on and just really wasn't enjoying that job and wanted to pursue my own business. So I ended up quitting that job to pursue my own business full time, which is what I've been working on for about the past uh, four and a half years now. It was September of 2013 was when I quit my job to pursue this full time. So that's really good. So I was wondering, you made the point to say you wasn't necessarily on the path you wanted to be on. So was it purely financial path or was there something more just internally in your soul where you're like, you know what, if this is where I'm going to be at for the next 40 years, accounting that is, I won't be able to do this. Where was your mindset at at that point? For me, it was more of an internal thing. And I felt like I wasn't really pursuing my goals or something that worked for me. I was working for this large company, making money for the corporate or for the partners of the firm. And I felt that I was just kind of existing. And I was like, I'd always kind of wanted to have my own business. And I had that drive inside me. So I would find myself like sitting, working on the accounting work and kind of daydreaming in a sense about doing my own business or doing some sort of my own projects. So it was more 
the internal drive. My number one goal when I made that decision was to have freedom of schedule. Um, I, I did want to be in control of my income as well. That was mm-hmm. a factor, but the number one thing for me was just having that freedom. So I wouldn't have to ask someone else if I can take time off work or be told I need to stay and work until 7 PM one night. I wanted full control of my schedule. And I felt like if I didn't take this chance when I was young and single, and I had no real responsibilities that basically if it didn't go well, I would only be messing up things for me. And it wouldn't even be that bad. I felt like if I didn't do that now, if I looked back in 20 years or 40 years, I would regret not having taken that chance. So I decided I might as well go for it. And, uh, I did. (laughs) That's real good foresight. I mean, I think a lot of people and uh, probably not in this generation, but we become wiser, but particularly in the generation before had a tendency to sort of throw away their youth and work in jobs. And then they ultimately, as they get in their mid forties, fifties, say, I shouldn't have did this. I should have took a chance with this. So I really can appreciate people that are much younger now kind of looking ahead. Cause you were, I read somewhere you probably were making $50,000, which for a single guy, that's pretty good money just for you. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think my official salary was 50,960 per year when I quit. So yeah, it was, it was good. Yeah. That's pretty good for a single guy just taking care of himself. So it's not like you were running after the money. You were looking for something more fulfilling for sure. Exactly. When you look back, Ryan, just to kind of touch on your time at going to college, Mm -hmm. do you think if you had it to do all over again, would you even had gone through college or would you would have jumped right into entrepreneurship? I wrestle with this one from time to time, but I think what I would do in a perfect world, I would go to college for freshman year, at least Mm -hmm. live in the dorms. There's just a lot of networking opportunities there. Everybody's in kind of a transition phase in their life. Everybody's coming into somewhere new and you can build a lot of good relationships that way. And then I would like to be in that college environment for the social aspects, but then maybe be more focused on business aspects throughout college. And maybe that means effectively dropping out after freshman year, living in the college town and working on businesses for the next three years. I think that would be kind of the ideal scenario for me. Basically I would start it sooner. There was definitely a lot of value I got out of it. I think most of it though was on like the social and networking sides as compared to in the classroom. I wouldn't want to take it all away completely, but I think it would have been cool if I could have started the business five years earlier than I did. I think it might be in a much different place and it could possibly be in a worse place too. But I think I would still want to be in that environment, but I would try to start the business sooner. That's a sensible response. I mean, it's probably one of the better ones that I've heard in terms of most people always have this one or the other. And you're kind of saying, no, I would have went my freshman year and took advantage of some things. Exactly. But then I wouldn't have felt captured by the fact that I had to stay in school. I would leave when I was ready after my freshman year. So I think that's a really good response to that. So when you were in the accounting field, did you at least start some side stuff just to kind of get yourself geared up or after your full day, nine to five accounting, what would you do at night? What would kind of be your thought process there? I actually started a little bit of this back in college. The first items I ever sold on Amazon were my college textbooks after my first semester. Mm -hmm. Basically I went to the bookstore felt like the price that they were offering for the books at the end of the semester when I was done with them was really low. Mm-hmm. And then it led me to looking into other options. So from there, I started buying books from other students. I started off with just like friends I knew I would sell their books for them. But then I would set up like these mini textbook buyback events at the end of the semester and buy books from 
students at the end of the semester and then turn around and resell those on Amazon. So I was doing that all throughout college. And then I still had that going when I had the accounting job for the first year or two. So that was something that I was working on. That was very seasonal though. So I mean, the main times for buying books are the end of the college semesters. So primarily in May and then December, I was working on those things. Right. And then, yeah. So once I was at the accounting job, I was still doing that. And then about three to six months into the accounting job, when I knew I wanted to eventually pursue something else, that's when I was, I basically thought to myself, I need to figure out a way to make some income that's not as seasonal as the textbook strategy. So then I looked into ways to sell products on Amazon that weren't as seasonally dependent. So that led me to something known as retail arbitrage, which is buying items at a discount at local big box stores, places like Walmart, Target, mm-hmm. Toys R Us, and then selling those on Amazon for the market prices there and basically capturing the profit that's available from the price gap between those between the big box store and between Amazon. So I started to do that in the after hours and on the weekends from my accounting job. So I would say after I'd been working about six months, I was doing that on the side. And my goal, which I ended up hitting before I quit my job was I wanted to be making a thousand dollars a month working 10 hours a week, because then if I could put in 40 hours a week, I would be able to scale up to about $4,000 a month, which was in the ballpark of what I was making at the accounting job. So my goal from when I started working after hours and on the weekends was to get to thousand dollars a month working 10 hours a week. And then that gave me the confidence I would need to basically step away and believe that I could scale it up if I could dedicate full-time hours. That's a snapshot of working smarter and not harder, essentially. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of how I first found out about you. I watched a video on CNBC, I think it was, uh, when you talk about retail arbitrage Mm -hmm. and you were going through different stores, Target, Walmart, wherever these stores were, you were buying items off of the clearance rack, reselling them, stuff along those lines. There's so much that I've seen out there now about retail arbitrage and people getting involved in that, going to Goodwill stores and doing that. This may be a stupid question because there's so many platforms like eBay and all these other areas to still sell these products. But do you think Mm -hmm. that is becoming a somewhat saturated market and shoppers are just getting savvy and just like, I'm not even going to buy your clearance item from Walmart because I'm going to just do something like that on my own. What do you think the future of that is? I think the arbitrage type model is going to exist on some platform for the foreseeable future. I think specifically on Amazon, the ability to buy in retail stores and then sell it on Amazon. I think as it sits today, I still see a lot of opportunity there. And I think it's going to be something that's viable for the next three to five years at least. And I really don't see it going away for the people that do it right, that play by the rules, that meet the customer's expectations. There's always going to be price variances in what's available locally versus what there is on Amazon. Just because an item's on clearance in one Walmart or just in one Target, on the other side of the country, it might be full price. And then that's why those customers would be just fine buying it on Amazon because it's the same price as it is in their local store. I see the arbitrage opportunities being around for a long time. But I do think for anyone building a business around it, I think it's a really good starting point. And then over time, you want to add in some additional income streams or additional sourcing methods so that you're not 100% reliant on it just in case a store goes out of business, Amazon changes a policy or something like that. So the way I see it, it's a great way to get started. I think it's going to be around for the foreseeable future. My business still does a lot of it. 
and then you touched on like saturation. I do think there's no doubt there's more people doing it today Mm -hmm. than there were five years ago. And then that more competition on some items will drive prices down. Amazon changes uh, what items certain new sellers can sell right away. Mm -hmm. Those kinds of things have popped up over the past few years. It's a little bit more challenging than it was. But in my opinion, it's still one of the best ways to get started on Amazon. And then from there, you can use that experience to do a bunch of different things in the future. That's really good insight. Really good. One of the sales pitches that I've always had of being an affiliate marketer is that we really don't carry any inventory. We kind of leverage the merchants in their own inventory. So the risk is relatively minimal, whereas you are kind of dabbling into the inventory side of the business. Now, it's less of a risk when you're just starting the business on your own. And essentially, it's a lot of profit because you're just just paying yourself and paying for the product. But how much more riskier is it as you get into the inventory? Mm -hmm. How do you kind of sidestep some of those risks? You know, tell me about as you're starting to build your business, what have been the steps there? Inventory along the way and managing that is essential to being in this business and doing it successfully. So I guess the steps for my business were basically, it started off with just me. I started off going to retail stores pretty much full time. And I would buy the items and then we use a program called Fulfillment by Amazon, which means for everything we buy, we ship it in bulk to Amazon's warehouses. So if we buy 10 copies of the board game Monopoly, we'll put all 10 of those in a box, ship them to Amazon's warehouses, and then Amazon's going to take care of shipping them to the individual customer. So right away, it was mainly me spending the time to go find these items, ship them to Amazon. Mm -hmm. And then over time, I gradually hired people to do the buying for me. People on my team who go to retail stores and purchase items for me. I have other people who help ship those items to Amazon. And then once I was able to get a good process in place there, we expanded into something known as wholesale sourcing, which is buying directly from manufacturers and distributors of existing brands. So we're buying their products and then taking care of the online marketing. We get them listed on Amazon, eBay, jet.com, our own website, and then we'll sell those products for them. So those are the main two areas that we're working on now. And then I'll touch on inventory along the way, since you're asking about that too. But every step of the way we've been adding, it's required more capital, more inventory on hand at any given point in time. So we've refined our process so that we're Mm -hmm. buying the inventory based on the information that's Amazon provides so that they provide information on like the number of customer reviews it has that gives you an indication of how well it's selling. There's something known as the sales rank, which is specific to the Amazon platform, which it gives you an idea of how fast an item is selling. So we look at both of those pieces of data to make sure that we're not having too much inventory on hand at any point in time. And then the other big factor that we base our decisions around are the return on investment for the product. Basically, how much money can we make when we sell the products? We've been able to fine-tune that along the way. So do you have your own proprietary algorithm that kind of calculates, here's the best shot to take on stuff that you want to keep around as inventory that won't necessarily age on you? Is that what you're kind of alluding to? Effectively that, yeah. We've kind of come up with the formula or the recipe, whatever you want to call it, for what we believe is a good selling item on Amazon. And over time, it's proven to be true. So basically what that leads us to is the items we have, we don't want it in stock for more than three months just to keep our inventory turning and keep the cash flowing. So on average now, we sell through everything 
within about two and a half months. So from the day we buy it, it's everything is sold within two and a half months on average. So we've done that and kind of maintained that level of, of sell through from the beginning. And then that makes it so that you can continue to have the cash flow to grow without taking on loans or anything like that. So what are a couple products that you just won't sell because they went bad on you or they just don't make sense for you, right? Maybe like you're like, Priest, I wouldn't sell a dildo. I don't feel like doing that. (laughs) Or on the flip side, what are the good products or the best selling products for you? So give me the two edges of the extremes. Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, Yeah, I mean, we don't sell any products in like the sexual wellness category. You say it's so much better than me, right? (laughs) I need to get my act together. I need to grow up. No, no, it's all good. Yeah, I mean, there's just some additional risks that come with selling products in that category. You can't accept returns. If something goes wrong with them, there's some inherent liability. So (laughs) that's something we avoid. Um, So you kind of hit the nail on the head there. On the opposite side of the spectrum, I mean, we sell all kinds of stuff. I mean, we sell everything from toys, home goods. We'll sell like grocery items. We'll sell apparel. But which are the ones that you know will fly off the shelf? Is it vitamins? Is it, I imagine it depends on the niche and the apparel, but we do a little bit of like a seasonal sourcing strategy. So like when it went leading up to Christmas, we're selling a lot of toys and gift type items. I mean, those are consistent for us every year, year in, year out. We sell a ton of those. Mm -hmm. And then like in the summer, we'll sell things that are in season for the summer. So that, that applies to apparel that applies to like squirt guns, for example, for things that people are using in the summer. Our best-selling items throughout the year change quite a bit, but we're focusing on what's that next holiday or what's that next season people are buying for. It actually changes quite a bit throughout the year. And that's when people ask me, what should I sell on Amazon? Or like, what, what are the items that sell? I try to steer them to making as few assumptions about what sells the best as possible and focusing instead on what's available to them. So like if they're buying in a retail store to sell on Amazon, they should focus on what are the clearance items that are available in that store for you. Mm -hmm. You can evaluate all of those with an app. It's called the Amazon seller app. It's free, but it'll give you all the information you need to make a decision about if it's worth selling on Amazon because it shows you the price it's selling for there versus the price of selling in the store. And you can see if you can make a profit and it'll show you the reviews, the sales rank and things like that. So I tend to steer people that way because if you go into the store looking for toys and then there's no toys on clearance, you might come out empty handed. But if you go into the store willing to find whatever's on clearance, you might end up finding some home improvement items, some grocery items, and then you'll actually be able to sell those items. Mm -hmm. And it can be similar with the wholesale side of the business. Like it depends on what trade shows you might have available to you locally or like who you have in your network. There might be product categories that are in low hanging fruit, so to speak for you, that wouldn't be for other people. So I like to focus more on what do you have available to you as opposed to focusing on like one specific type of product, if that makes sense. So Ryan, I'm in a dead end job. I'm unhappy where I'm at. I want to do just what you did. I don't have a lot of money. I haven't fully thought this through, but I am excited about what you're talking about what would be the first step that you would suggest just on your experience? Now we're going to go into your site, the online selling experiment, where you really kind of help people. You have coaching Mm -hmm. as options there. So we'll get into that for folks that want to get involved. But from a quick elevator perspective, Mm -hmm. what would you share with me to kind of launch off and encourage me to get somewhere in this, this ecosystem of selling? You can definitely get started with very little capital. My recommendation, if you want to get your feet wet in this, would be to sign up for an individual Amazon seller account. Make sure you sign up for the individual one and there's no monthly fee for that. 
that's going to get you access to the Amazon seller app, which is a free app on your phone, which you can use to use the phone's camera. You point it at the barcode of a product, and then it's going to show you how much that item is selling for on Amazon. And it's going to show you the sales rank and the reviews. Hmm. So once you have that app installed, then I would go to a retail store that's close to you. So whether that's a Walmart, Target, Home Depot, Lowe's, doesn't really matter all that much, but go there and find the clearance sections of that store. Look for items that are 50% off or more of the clearance prices. And then what you want to do is basically scan those with your phone. So you'll use the camera, point it at the barcode, and then see how the price on Amazon compares to what it's available for in the store. The app's going to show you exactly what you get paid after all the fees based on the current selling prices on Amazon. So I recommend looking for at least a 50% return on investment. So if you spend $10, you should get paid a total of 15 from Amazon. And then that equals a $5 profit on your $10 investment, which is a 50% return on investment or ROI. And then the other piece to look at is just the sales rank. When it comes to sales rank, the lower the number, the better. And I recommend starting off looking for less than 250000 So basically, if you can get that 50% ROI and the sales rank is less than 250000 and then the only other caveat is to make sure that it says you are approved to sell this item. It's all going to be in this one screen, so it's pretty easy to do. You check those three things. If it meets all of that, then I recommend buying that item and then listing it for sale on Amazon. And then basically repeat that process for as many items as are in the clearance section or until like, say you wanted to invest a hundred dollars in this or repeat this process until you have a hundred dollars worth of items. That would be my recommendation for someone getting started. And then from there, you can see how the items sell. You can see if you like the process and you can see where you want it to go from there. But that would be my recommendation for someone who wants to just get their feet wet and doesn't have a ton of capital at the moment. Yeah, that's really good. And then ultimately probably build yourself up to FBA and other stuff similar to what you did. Yep. And most likely I would still do FBA, even if this is your first batch. If you can buy more than about 10 items, I would still do FBA and send those items into the Amazon's warehouses as they'll generally sell faster. It's an easier process for you. If you can only buy like one or two items to get started, then I would list them for sale and ship them to the customer yourself. And that's known as merchant fulfilling the items. I mean, that's a perfectly fine way to get started too. But as soon as you can, I recommend using the fulfillment by Amazon program because I mean, you don't have to worry about the shipping to the customer. Generally your items will sell for more. Amazon customers tend to trust it more. So there's a lot of advantages, but it's not hundred percent necessary to get started. But as soon as you can use it, I would. Is there ever a question whether you'll work with eBay or Amazon or Are you just completely not bothering with eBay and focused on Amazon? We sell some on eBay as well. Amazon's where the bulk of our sales happen. And that's the marketplace I'm focused on at the moment for my business. But eBay makes sense for some items. The way I decide that or the way I like to look at it is if it's a brand new unopened item, then typically Amazon is my preferred platform for it. That seems to be the type of items that those customers are looking for. Just more customers go to Amazon than anywhere else, at least in the US. So if it's brand new, unopened, it goes to Amazon. If there's anything wrong with it, if it's a used item, then I'm much more likely to list it on eBay. Let's say I sell a toy and a customer returns it and they've scratched it up a little bit, but it's still perfectly usable. So that first time when it was brand new, I would have sold it on Amazon. Then after it's returned and it's a little bit dinged up, then I'm going to list it on eBay because then I can take pictures of it, show exactly what's wrong with the item. I can put in a specific description 
and customers on eBay tend to be more, I wouldn't say this is a hundred percent across the board, but they tend to be a little bit more budget conscious. They're willing to buy a used toy and save a few bucks on it as opposed to the average Amazon customer. So that's the way I tend to look at it. Brand new goes Amazon. If it's used something a little bit wrong with it, Mm. then I'd go to eBay, but that's the main pieces that I use to base that decision on. And you guys out there that want to get involved in it, you also have to consider other things like how Amazon handles returns versus how returns would be done on the eBay side of the business. Mm -hmm. To your point, if you're transparent in your eBay posting and say, this has been opened and this part is peeled back a little bit here, blah, blah, blah. People are willing to buy it because they're more cost conscious versus Amazon where it's supposed to be new in the package. But if it's broke or something along those lines, Amazon kind of works with you on the returns and the whole deal. Definitely. Yeah. And for anybody who tries this, I wouldn't mess around with product condition or reading through the Amazon's guidelines for condition would be a good idea before you list anything for sale. They don't mess around. They've got a pretty high standard that they expect you to adhere to. It's very doable. It's just you don't want to mess around with it when it comes to condition as you'll get your account in trouble on Amazon. Does the words Bitcoin, Ethereum, digital currency make sense to you at all? Have you ever heard of people talking about cryptocurrency? If you're interested and if you're interested in buying and selling, then the best way to do it is with our sponsor today, Coinbase. Coinbase was founded in 2012 and is a digital currency wallet and platform where merchants and consumers can transact new digital currencies like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Litecoin. They're based in San Francisco, California. Bitcoin is the world's most widely used alternative currency with a total market cap over $100 billion. The Bitcoin network is made up of thousands of computers run by individuals all over the world. If you want to start today in purchasing Ethereum, Bitcoin, and Litecoin, go into today's podcast notes, download the link, and get started today. Let's talk about your site, Online Selling Experiment. Share with the audience what you do there, how maybe you can help others there. I know when you first log on, you're able to put your email address in, so you're given information right then and there to kind of get you started. But talk about the different offerings that you have there and how you maybe can help those that want to get involved in this. Online Selling Experiment is a site I started about five years ago now to document my journey from quitting my job as the accountant to making a full-time income selling on Amazon. So if you go back to the very beginning of the site, you can see monthly results posts showing how much I made, how much I sold on Amazon, and kind of follow along with that progress on a monthly basis. So those are always interesting if you want to see like the potential of this is. And I did those posts for about the first two years I was doing this business. And then if you read through them, you'll see that I stopped. But there's a few reasons for that, which you can read about in the posts. My business has still continued to grow, but I didn't necessarily want all of the financials public. So I documented that as a way to show what might be possible or show an alternate path Mm -hmm. compared to working the corporate job. That was one aspect of the site. And then the other main thing, which is probably what I should have mentioned first, is that I share a lot of tips and tricks about how to sell on Amazon, how to do it successfully, things that I've learned the hard way so that you can learn from my experiences and not have to make the same mistakes that I've done along the way. So I share a lot of posts like that as well. So yeah, if you're looking for a spot to get started on the site, I would go to onlinesellingexperiment.com slash start. And there's a start here link at the top. And then that'll give you 
more details about the site. It has links to some of the most popular articles. It has links to guides on how to start your own FBA business, how to do retail arbitrage, everything like that. And then the other offering that I have through that is I have some coaching services and there's a course available through the site too. I always make sure that the free information is as high of quality as it possibly can be. But for people that are looking for a little bit of extra help or want to work with me directly, there's some options for that as well. There's a trainings link or a coaching link at the top of my site if anybody wants to check that out. But like I said, I would start off with the online selling experiment.com slash start page. That's going to have links to basically how to get started with your own Amazon business. And it'll have links to get started reading the financial results posts if that's something you're interested in as well. So if somebody else wants to connect with you a different way, can they reach out to you on Twitter? Other areas? You want to share some of that? Yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter. My username on there is at walkaway50k. Um, and the reason for that is uh, the first blog post on my site is called Walking Away from 50K, where I basically talk about my decision to transition from the job as an accountant where I was making the $50,000 per year salary to doing this online business. But yeah, Twitter is probably the easiest spot. I see all my messages and responses there. Other than that, I'm not too active on social media at the moment. The best place, if you have a question for me, is to leave a comment on a blog post. I still respond to all of those. I go through them every, once or twice a week. I'll respond to any comments that come in. So that's probably the best way. Twitter is a good way too. But yeah, those are the two main options. I'm going to play around with this this year myself. I'm going to probably start off with uh, downloading on my app and kind of trying to go through the clearance section and see how this works and maybe give you some feedback on what I thought about it. I'm going to just try to test it out. If I'm good, then I'm going to walk away from Lenovo and just let my family fend for themselves and we'll see. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I'm definitely going to play around with this a bit. I think this is really awesome. I mean, again, before CNBC and watching your video, I didn't even think of retail arbitrage and kind of playing with it that way. So I thought it was really cool, even though a lot of people have caught on. I think your way has certainly been effective and you've shown how to scale that process. So it's cool. Yeah, I appreciate that. And if you give it a shot, let me know how it goes. Keep me posted. Yeah, definitely. Ryan, I appreciate you being on the show, man. Uh, you've been so gracious. Thanks for taking the time out and look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thanks for having me, Grace. It's been fun. Thanks. Hey guys, that's the end of our show. Hope you got something from Ryan. This was really good. Again, this was our first person that came on, spoke about Amazon fulfillment. He had some really good insight. And I think most importantly, if you're looking to start your own business and you want to do it with relatively low cost, he gave some really instrumental things to get started. So look forward to talking to you again next Sunday. Hope you have a good one. Take care. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious.